What is up, my nerds? Welcome to Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. I'm Jake Roberson. I'm Paul Acey. We love... I just turned on an Xbox. <laughs> with, like, I I was waving my hands all over the air and I See? turned on an Xbox 360. See? This is a this is a podcast, Jake. You can't be throwing your arms around. <laughs> Gotta have that visual flair for all the listeners in the audience. Welcome to this week's show. This is episode nine, Paul. Episode nine. Goodness gracious, nine. And we find ourselves almost to the official summer months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you look at a calendar, officially summer starts here shortly, but when we look at movies... The summer is already upon us. The summer is already upon us. We've yes. already had Guardians. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it seems like the summer is really pretty much over, doesn't it? I mean, Basically, from a, from yeah. A movie we, had, perspective. we had Guardians already, and now we've had Wonder Woman. Now we've which had is Wonder Woman. Coincidentally, we've, had the mummy. we've oh the Mummy. Good grief! We've had a couple that other movies count. there. Yeah, but uh, coincidentally, with Wonder Woman is going to be our main discussion today. Yes, it is. As we talk about how fantastic that film was no spoilers folks so you could be sure to stay tuned don't tune us out if you're afraid to hear about it because we're not going to give you the are you, are you, you sure details. about that are you sure we're going to not give out any spoilers uh, I, there are some spoilery moments that we could talk about there are but we're um you know what folks don't worry about it i'll let you know before there's any spoilery <laughs> moments don't tune right. me out all right paul's trying to get you to leave the show already by telling you there's spoilers before we get to that though with summer coming upon us, guys, we're halfway through 2017. Oh, the years go faster and faster every year. So we're yeah. going to preview the our most anticipated films that have yet to come out yes, in indeed. 2017. Yes, indeed. And so um, that will be our Rank Geeks segment. We'll get to the most least important thing where we're going to be talking about some pretty cool stuff that may or may not be very important. But... A little bit of housekeeping before we dive into the nerdery. <laughs> the nerdery. We have a contest winner. Paul? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to knock this Xbox off the shelf. <laughs> so um, last last podcast, we, uh, we actually were giving away a copy of The Shack um, to someone who would tell us what their guilty movie pleasure is. Um, it could be a movie that really resonates with you spiritually, but it has some problems, or it could be just a flat-out guilty pleasure. And our winner is J.B. Lewis, who came in with a, with a guilty pleasure movie of Jingle All the Way, which is a really, really guilty pleasure. How guilty is it on the scale of 1 to 10? <laughs> it's, it's like 17. Seven, wow, that guilty. <laughs> yeah, jingle All the Way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think that I think that JB gets this one for sure. All right, JB, congratulations. We will be in touch with you and get that copy of The Shack in your hands. Thanks for entering. Uh, when we do contests like this, you can enter by hitting us up on Twitter at either at AC Paul or at Jake underscore Roberson. Or even better, you can find us on Facebook. We've got a group there called Pop Culture with Fan People and Know-It-Alls. And without further ado, let's dive into Rank Geeks. Welcome to a segment we like to call Rank Geeks because we're a bunch of smelly nerds who like to rank really geeky things. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're particularly smelly. I'm I'm particularly smelly today. There's no air conditioning right now. So. It does feel a little warm in here <laughs> on a hot almost summer afternoon. But our topic this time, we wanted to take a look ahead. Right, we're looking at some hot movies, hot movies of 2017 Correct. still to come. Because with all that's come out, even in the last month, with like you said, the Mummy, <laughs> super huge, amazing film, probably Oscar Great worthy. Movie. Great um, movie. Wonder Woman. No, we had Fast and the Furious. We had Guardians of the Galaxy. We had Wonder Woman. Beauty and the Beast blew up, you know, the box office. So there's already been a lot of really big movies. Not necessarily summer movies, but a lot of really big movies. And there's still a lot to come. There's still a lot to come. So okay. let's rank them. So the first list, the first movie on my list, number five. Number five. Is not a movie that 
really screams blockbuster. Okay. It actually sort of mews indie film. All right. But it stars the kid from Room, which was one of my very favorite movies of all this of century. This century. Yeah. That's pretty high yeah, praise. Yeah, no, it was a so really great movie. that's uh, Jacob Tremblay. Very good. Yes, he is starring in a mov- new movie called Wonder. Ooh, I think I, I have not seen the trailer, but yeah. I've heard about it. Yeah, so I, it, it, it sort of keeps with the Wonder theme that we're doing. Wonder Woman, Wonder. And it's about this kid who... Um, has some physical disformities. He's going to a uh, regular school for the first time, and it's sort of dealing with his his anxiety and how people accept him at this school or not. Um, the trailer, again, the only way we can really judge these movies on the trailer, but the trailer almost made me cry. Right. The trailer was that good. So hopefully we will have a list of, we can have links to some of these trailers on our Facebook page or our blog site, yep. um, because that one's really worth seeing. Well, guys, this is going to be this is going to sound crazy to you, but Paul and I did not consult on these lists beforehand. <laughs> I did not pick Wonder at number 5. However, I did pick a movie that is also looks to be something of an indie, not quite totally indie, but on the indie side of films and also features somebody from The Room. Or it's not <laughs> sorry, not The Room. My, apolo- yeah, my the apologies room. to That would the be room. a guilty pleasure. That Way was in our last yeah, um, no, but to from Room, and that's a movie with Brie Larson, who played Jacob Tremblay's mom in Room. And this movie is called The Glass Castle. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the trailer for this, Paul? Yeah, I have. That's uh, kind of interesting. It is an interesting one. You've got this like father-daughter family drama that looks sort of looks like, from the trailer, it's going to have something of a This Is Us conceit to it, right, right. where you're seeing stuff that's happening in the present with this father and daughter family dynamic when the daughter has grown up and she's living in the big city and she's she's got a, a man in her life and her dad is kind of this rogue, living wild, doesn't pay taxes kind of guy. And so the story is going to follow their relationship both in the present as there's this conflict of separation between them as well as in the past when they were still a family all together. She was a little girl and, um, you know, dealing with – it looks like it's going to deal with some heavy themes of what what is the not only the meaning of life but the meaning of family relationships and that dynamic and a father's role in his kid's life and the good and the bad of him being yeah. a free spirit. Yeah. Man, this list is – gotten off to a very sensitive start <laughs> it has it? Yeah, this is a trailer <laughs> when my when my wife saw it she's like well how about that depressing trailer <laughs> I, was like, I thought it looked pretty interesting her dad is going to be played by woody harrelson oh who i uh used to be down on back way back in the day uh when i saw his cameo in a movie called anger management with <laughs> adam sandler and jack nicholson he played a transvestite like prostitute in a camp, and I was like, that guy is the worst. I hate this person. Whoever this actor is, he's awful. <laughs> Whoever this actor is, you didn't yeah, know I didn't who even he was. know who he was. Oh, my goodness. Because I was, I was young enough. I was just like, this, yeah, no cheers this person's you, awful. Yeah, okay. Never seen, I'd never seen Cheers. And, but you know how he, I, he started to win me back with uh, – well, and I would heard about him like politically – like he was the crazy guy, like hiding up in a tree so that somebody couldn't. Somebody, <laughs> are we, are we somebody talking about the same person? Woody Harrelson. Yeah. <laughs> did, did he do this? Some, are you making there was, this he, up? There was some like green protest like fifteen ish years ago. Nah, see, I'd be all over that. I'd be, uh, I'd be up in trees too. Yeah, you know? Paul, Paul, and and but whenever I grew up in a very conservative home, so that was like this yeah, guy is recycling nuts. yuck. Um, I've changed my ways since then, and so have my parents, but. Uh, all that to say, <laughs> Woody Harrelson started to win me back when I saw him in Zombieland. Oh, okay. And then he really like nailed it and brought it back home, strangely enough, in his role in Will and Grace. Interesting. He was such a nice guy in that show. Yeah. At least from what I saw. I, didn't, I haven't seen all of Will and Grace. Sure. But that was when he officially won me back. So now I'm excited for a movie with him in it. Oh, if you asked me 15 years ago, no way. All right. No way. Enough about that. Number four, Paul. Number four, Dunkirk. 
Mm. Christopher Nolan directs this World War II drama adventure. Uh, it's coming out later on this this, uh, this summer, actually, July. July 21st. And it is going to be, I think, a really... I, I'm going to be really interested to see it. I'm kind of a World War II geek. I, I like to, to follow, you know, kind of, kind of what happened in World War II. Um, Christopher Nolan, we all know, has a great reputation as far as a film director goes. Saw the trailer again last night. It was pretty exciting. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing this, and, and I'm hoping that it may be... An Oscar contender coming up. Yeah, I will say that uh, the trailers for Dunkirk have been some of my favorite in the last year. The way he builds tension with very little sound, with very strategic sound, is pretty fantastic. Yeah. And so just that alone, back when you just were getting these little clips, remember those teaser trailers where you just heard the sounds and there was no, there was very little audio, but these, this perfect strategic clips of sound. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Get your spine tingling. Yeah, it really does. And, and, and the Dunkirk story is, is also just one of those really heroic, really, um, powerful stories from World War II. And so to see that come to life, I'm really looking forward to it. All right. Number four for me is actually a documentary, a (laughs) fathom event. A fathom, a event. fathom event, but it's a documentary, and, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying I am. Is this a Brad Pitt documentary? Is oh, that... if it was a Brad Pitt documentary, you be better believe one. it. Not be it. Yeah, it would be at number one, yeah. not number four. Um, I will. I will give a caveat that uh, in my day job, I will be a part of promoting this film. So I've actually already seen it. <sighs> And it's called. It's a documentary called Mully. See, this is again. Don't you cheat on every single one of these this is, lists? How is this a cheat? Because you've already seen it. How can you be thinking about <laughs> what's going to? You're thinking. Because oh, this is going to be great. You already know I that can't it's wait great. to see this on the big screen and to see what everybody else thinks. Oh. To not be the only one thinking this is a great film. All right, all right. We'll let so, you get away. With so it. it's about a guy um, who who was orphaned. He was abandoned by his parents as a young boy. Became wealthy and really wealthy. Became the biggest oil and gas exporter of in Kenya, so he was, he was grew up in Kenya, um, and then one day decided to give it all up, mm. sell it all, and start adopting kids off the street. Twenty eight years later, he's adopted thirteen thousand children. Good heavens! Not just that, he has transformed a microclimate in Kenya. With the help of his 13,000 children and so much more. It's the type of film that was, were this not it, like documented, you'd be like, this story isn't real. Yeah. This is a fairy tale. There's no way they've done all these things. It, every, you're watching this movie and thing after thing after thing, you're like, this is unbelievable. If this was a story that I saw in a movie, I, I wouldn't like it because it would be too unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. And yet, this has been documented for the last 30 years. And it's nuts. Now, is it is it an explicitly Christian story? It is not. Mm. I'm, the The character, well, the character, the real life man, Charles Mully, is a Christian, mm-hmm. and so he, all of this is guided by all of his actions are guided by his faith. However, the director of this movie is a guy named Scott Hayes, and um, who also ha- is also a Christian. However, he actually edited this movie. When he went to edit this movie, he intentionally hired an atheist editor in Hollywood to help him cut together a film that did not deny Charles's faith, that didn't take it out. You couldn't. That was central to his kid. Right, exactly. That's central to who he is. Right. And he's still alive, Charles Mully, by the way. Um, But he wanted an an atheist to help him edit it because this story, he didn't want anybody to miss out on this story because it has such huge implications for how we live and act in our world, whether we're Christians or not. The way we can help transform our environment you know through very it's through what he does is again it's really inspiring whether you're a christian or not and so when you watch this movie although his faith is what is pulling him along inside of it um this movie will be appreciated regardless of faith and well see i think you've you've talked me into being looking forward to this movie yeah and scott hayes um you know he he's a controversial figure even in in Hollywood, you know, he's done some Cormac McCarthy stuff with his best friend James Franco. He's actually best friends with James Franco. <laughs> really, Scott really? and James, like sort of like you and Chris Pratt. 
like well actually more real than me and Chris Pratt I'll just be <laughs> honest uh, as buddy buddy as Chris and I are we're not as close right. like both James and Scott have multiple times said wow. no to call ourselves friends is really a disservice we're more like brothers wow um, and the executive producer on this film is a guy named James Mole who's actually an Academy Award winning documentarian himself he won in 99 for a film called The Last Days which is a film about five Hungarian Jews during the Holocaust and uh, so he's no stranger to, to really high. He's also won wow. Emmys. So this is a really – there's a lot of firepower behind this film, um, So you know, which is kind of funny for a documentary. Right, um, right, right. Anyways, yeah, interesting. I'm, I'm very much anticipating this being in, in theaters and seeing how the world reacts. So there you hmm. go. Hmm. Number four for me. All right. Number three. I have – this was a really tough one for me. I actually changed my number three for some reason like three times. But I eventually settled on The Dark Tower. Okay. Interesting. So um, I've read the whole Stephen King Dark Tower series. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Ildris Elba. I, I think that he's – He's a, fantastic. He is a fantastic If he's not the next actor. James Bond, I'm going to be upset. I think he would be a great James I know James he's a little Bond. old, but I still think – he well, he's just got that voice, he's got that gravitas, and he, you know, the the whole Dark Tower series, if if you've read them as a Stephen King fan, you know that they're a little bit inconsistent. He wrote them over 20 or 30 years, I think. It would be, I, so, would, I could imagine he'd forget a few plot points, well, <laughs> drop a couple of threads. <laughs> yeah, it's not so much the threads, but the writing style actually changes, okay. and, they, and the, the book series sort of filters out toward the end, it sort of, it just sort of falls a little bit flat but the middle of the series is really compelling and I, and the character of the gunslinger which is what Ildris Elba plays uh, is one of the most um, iconic characters that I've read about actually so mm-hmm. so to see him um, be transformed on screen I think is going to be a really interesting thing I, all these movies that I have are not movies necessarily that I'm I'm absolutely looking forward to that I know are going to be great, but there are movies that I'm really interested to see how they manifest on screen. Yeah. This one's interesting for me because I agree with you. Idris Elba is awesome. I I cannot get enough of him on screen, whether it's in The Office or in, uh, oh gosh, I always do this. I always blank on the name of TV shows and movies, but the one that's streaming on Netflix where he's a detective. People, help me out on this. Um, but I, I think he's I think he's great. How and Matthew McConaughey can be pretty solid, and he's in this film as well. I was not impressed by the trailer. Mm. If, if I'm honest here, on paper, The Dark Tower sounds really interesting to me. It sounds like a film yeah. and a story in general. Like I actually want to read the books, but the trailer. I feel like this is going to be a CGI laden mess. I think Chris it's elbow. I know, but I, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be dragged down by too much of a focus on the CGI fueled action scenes. I've seen it drag too many films down. And watching the trailer, I'm worried about this one. I, I, I'm not actually very excited about it because, based on the trailer, I think it's gonna be missable. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see when it comes out. All right. Number three for me is uh, actually Dunkirk. It, that mm-hmm. was on my list as well. Just a, a spot. All right, so up. I can't badmouth that. Can't badmouth this one, Paul. But you know, I've already I've already talked about how much I appreciate the trailers. How much we've talked about how much we appreciate Christopher Nolan. I'm hoping this is a return to form for him. Yeah. Because Interstellar felt like a stumble. Oh, what are you talking about? Interstellar, Interstellar was great. was not an incompetent film, but it fell apart in the end. I, okay. It fell okay. apart. So the and, and it's long and you go watch it again and it's it's not it's not up there with his best. I mean, when you compare it to his Batman films and films like Memento or um, Inception, Interstellar no, felt you know what? really middle of the road I, to me. I would disagree. I think Interstellar was better than Inception. Oh, my goodness. No. So we'll, uh, we'll leave that where it lay. <laughs> so, I'm, so Paul and I disagree on this, but still for me, I'm hoping, and I think most people agree with me on this, except for Paul, <laughs> I'm hoping this is a return to form for Christopher now, Inter- Nolan, who is one of my favorite directors. Interstellar was one of my favorite films of the year that it came out. I think it, was, I think it made my top five. I really appreciated it, even, even though I, dis- I do agree with you. I think the ending was a little bit weak. Um, the ending was definitely flawed um, and a little bit too uh, I don't, on the nose, I think it was. I mean, yeah. it, they, it was just a little bit weird. But but 
honestly, in terms of the inspirational value for it, it really resonated with me. I will say the the parent child dynamic uh, in Interstellar makes you can make you weepy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and of course, all the wonderful videos that have since come out using Matthew McConaughey's reactions <laughs> to seeing his daughter grow up. That's worth the movie alone. That really is. So I will give you that for Interstellar. All right, number two. Number two. Number two. Murder on the Orient Express. This one, I was, uh, you know, you brought this up as a uh, most least important thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's. And I was skeptical. Yeah, but I've now seen the trailer and I I can dig this pick. So continue. yeah, no, it's it's it, this feels like a very old person pick, and it I guess it sort of is. You know, Merger on the Orient Express was written by Agatha Christie a gazillion years ago. Um, it was made into a very classic movie in the early 1970s, starring everybody who was anybody in the 1970s: Sean Connery and Vanessa Redgrave, and just a whole list of characters. Um, and it's essentially just a fun. <laughs> This is such a strange thing to say, but it's a fun murder mystery. You know, it's a it's a very light look at murder, um, and it stars again a huge all star cast of contenders. It has Johnny Depp. It has just slew of people. In it. I'm, <laughs> it has all these famous people like Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp and a lot and of others. others. <laughs> Guys, Johnny Depp, Josh Gad, who's you know really burst onto the scene in recent years. Uh, Daisy Ridley. We've got Judy Dench in here. We've got um, uh, now. I'm forgetting. Oh, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, the guy behind it. He's all. Hercule Poirot. Yeah, with a huge mustache. You can't go wrong with the mustache. All right, I've never read um, Murder on the Orient Express. I haven't seen the old movie. Have is... you read any Agatha Christie at all? No, I haven't. Oh, um, which is interesting. I grew up reading a lot of mystery stuff, but mm. it was mostly like I went from Nate the Great to the Boxcar Children to the Hardy Boys. To um, or no to Encyclopedia Brown, then the Hardy Boys, and then I kind of got into a lot of um, Tom Clancy and who's the guy that wrote the Pelican Brief? Oh yeah yeah yeah, um, jo- uh, Grisham. Grisham, yeah, that's yeah. right. And so I, I kind of went that route, and I didn't go back to a lot of the classics. Yeah. Like, uh, so I do have to ask you, I did see this trailer. I think the visual style looks fantastic from the trailer, uh, and I really like the choice of music. Yeah. On this old movie that in this trailer they would throw in some Imagine Dragons. <laughs> yeah. It actually worked well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it did too. I thought um, it did too. This would be another good trailer to put up there. We got It would. We'll, we'll have to share this with the, the group and see what everybody thinks. But the, the closing line. I'm Hercule Poirot, and I'm possibly the world's greatest detective. Is that part of the character? Because that's a really cheesy closing line to the first, to the trailer. If that's not who this character is, it is, is that like a who classic line? This character is. It's not a classic line, as okay. far as I'm I'm aware. But Hercule Poirot is a really he's he's. A Belgian detective who takes great pride in his mustache, mm. and he has great pride in his little gray <laughs> cells. He talks about his little gray cells all the time and does talk about just how fantastic he is and okay. what he does. All right. So that, that makes that – I was sitting there in the theater, <laughs> and that's the last line of the trailer, and I'm like, that is so lame. Yeah. All right. And so I was hoping, and I'm glad to hear that that's just who the character is so that – all the super fans will be like, yes, Hercule! Yeah, so Jake, I've got to tell you, for your next least most important thing, okay. you should read And Then There Were None, or Ten Little Indians, whatever it's called now. It is the best Agatha Christie novel there is. It is brilliant! So if you need to get a taste of Agatha Christie, that's where to go. Do you have a copy, or should I get it from the library? Get it from the library. <laughs> well, like, I lent him a book once. It took him like five years that's to return right. it. I'm not loaning you anything anymore. <laughs> All right, number two for me is a film... Called Logan Lucky. <laughs> are you just are you just doing that because you're hoping that Hugh Jackman is going to be in it? No, I know that Hugh Jackman is not in this movie. Have you seen the trailer for Logan Lucky? Oh, I have not seen the trailer. No. Have you heard about the movie at all? No. It looks really interesting. No, so I, keep, I actually wrote on Twitter saying that I, it's, I hope that it was going to be <laughs> Hugh, Jackman, Hugh Jackman, you know, in Reno, just finishing up that little... You know. Yeah, so I just came across this film recently, and I'm very interested. It's uh, being directed by Steven Soderbergh, which is kind of a hit or miss. Hit or miss, yeah. Uh, big fan of the Ocean series overall, but there's some other films that that he's done that I'm much less high on. Okay. However, this is an a heist film, and it stars Adam Driver as one of the main leads, one of the Logan brothers. It's and weirdly, his brother is played by Channing Tatum. 
So Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, like <laughs> totally never saw them as brothers. And yet you watch this trailer and it works. They're a bunch of hicks and they decide they're going to rip off the Charlotte Motor Speedway during the Coca-Cola 600. So these are all – this is southern accents out the wazoo. You've got Adam Driver. You've got Channing Tatum, Katie Holmes. And with a, his own weird high-pitched southern accent and bleached blonde hair, Daniel Craig. <laughs> with like bleached okay. ele- right. electric blonde hair and a southern accent. And they're going right. to rip off – the Charlotte Motor Speedway during the Coca-Cola 600. This looks like a fantastic heist film. Okay. Like almost like if you mixed Ocean's Eleven with uh, what's the Lady Killers, where you're just like the, it's gonna be cool and have this awesome visual style, but be mixed with like the slow-paced hickness of the South. All right, so so Jake, you're doing a good job selling with with some of these movies. I I can dig that. Yeah. I'm all right with all that. All right, number one. Number one. This fits in with what we're talking about today, Justice League. Oh, what? Justice League. And again, this is not a movie that I am necessarily really, really super excited (laughs) about because I know it's going to be great. I am wondering just what it's going to look like because Batman vs. Superman was such a disappointment. Yep. Wonder Woman, which we will get into, was not a disappointment. And so you sort of, I really am very curious to see what the trajectory is for the DC Warner Brothers universe. I really want to see kind of what that's going to look like in the future. I am cautiously optimistic for it. Um, I think that it could be um, an improvement. So we'll see. I'm. I'm at the, I have to say I'm cautiously cautiously pessimistic because okay. you also failed to mention DC's incredible film Suicide Squad, which is absolutely not incredible. They have a much worse track record than they do a positive track record. As you said, I Wonder agree. Woman was not a disappointment, but man, the trailer, even the trailer for the Justice League, makes it look no, like I, it's going to be an absolute flop. I told, well, no, I, to I me, would disagree. To me, I, because they I haven't do, built up most of these characters. No, I, nev- we haven't seen true. the Flash really, except on a TV show. Is is it the same Flash? I think not I've, the same Flash. Yeah, so it's not. We haven't met the Flash. We haven't met Aquaman. Not really. We've seen him, but we haven't truly right. met them, right. and we haven't really met. Cyborg, and so they're gonna. They're. I think they're on a collision course for doing a really mediocre film again. Yeah, well, if, and that's a danger. That. That's a danger. It definitely is. I, I I root for Warner Brothers to to put together a really dynamic universe for these characters because back in my childhood, if I was a superhero guy, I was definitely a DC person. The only people who I knew about were. Wonder Woman and Superman and Batman and all those those goofy characters from the Super Friends cartoon. So I root for them to do a really great movie. And so because of that, I'm <laughs> I'm going to be very interested to see what this thing looks like. Yeah. I don't I'm not expecting I'm not expecting anything. It could be a complete disaster. It could be a complete home run. I just want to see what the trajectory looks like. All right. Well, let's hope that I'm wrong, Paul. All right. Let's hope that we're both wrong on this. Okay, one. so can I guess your number one? Guess for my number one. Thor Ragnarok. Nope. Oh no! Like Thor. No, Thor. I'm definitely more excited for than Justice League. But Thor. The Thor movies have not proven to be great so far. The Thor standalone. So although I liked the trailer, I'm very cautiously interested in Thor Ragnarok because I, the trailer I, made it. Look the trailer makes crazy. it look great. I will give. I will give you that. But I'm still only very cautiously optimistic based on their previous Thor films. Okay. So number one for me is actually Blade Runner 2049. Oh. I am. I'm a fan of the original Blade Runner. Let me just throw that out there. The dark grittiness of that film. Uh, Harrison Ford in that film. The name of the blog. Rutger, Rutger was, Hauer, right? Yeah, Rutger Hauer. He was, was fantastic. nuts yeah. in that film. And it is grim. And I'm also, when it comes to the literary realm, I'm something of a Philip K. Dick fan. Mm-hmm. Like his short stories and his longer stories. are The the my, the man's mind is, is twisted in a very interesting way. Well, and the way almost, he explores these... Yeah these stories is fantastic. Yeah, almost every single science fiction film that's worth telling has been based on a Philip K. Dick book, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's he's kind of brilliant. I've never read any of his stuff. What? But he's oh, my goodness. 
What? <laughs> All right. All right. He's written short stories. It's not even like I have to take up a bunch of okay, your time. Okay, you read my Agatha Christie book. I'll read. <laughs> All right, we'll Philip swap. K. Dick. We'll swap. Philip K. Dick. So, um, you know what, guys? I will say that even though I'm not, bi- I'm not high on Ryan Gosling right now. I actually thought he was like the weakest point of La La Land. Oh, okay. You know what? Yeah, I'll just be real with you. A lot of people disagree with me on that. Yeah. Other people think it was Emma Stone. Um, and I, and when I say he's the weakest point of a great film, please take it that way. He's still he's still fine. But I have yet to see Ryan Gosling in something personally that has me excited about him as an actor. And so that has me cautious on this movie. But Denis Villeneuve, or however you say his name, um, the the man has chops when it comes to directing films. And the visuals look really interesting. And, of course, Harrison Ford's in it again. Yeah. You know, my thing is... And I like dealing with Android stuff, as we talked about on the Alien podcast. I'm with Ridley Scott on this one, and he's executive producing it. Yeah, you know, I I just look at that and I think, why would you do... I, I have this visceral reaction when you have, like, a classic movie that stands alone just fine and then you tack on a sequel to it i just i just don't like that sure um so it immediately and comes into my brain and that's with, fair with sort of a strike against it and that's fair but um i i think from what i've seen so far and this this one could end up being a stinker but from what i've seen so far in the trailers and and what i know of dennis villeneuve villeneuve dennis how do you say your name uh, <laughs> this one has me excited, so I'm actually anticipating it. And that's October, guys. It's almost here. All right, all right. It's almost here. So, is there a, now that we're, we've finished up our list, we're not going to do a definitive list this time because we don't know. We don't know. We have to wait and see right, these films. Right. So, Jake, tell me, is there a film that you are least looking forward to that's still to come out? Yeah, there's two that I wrestled with for my least anticipated film of 2017. I've landed on number one, most least anticipated, and that's it. Oh, that almost made my list. I was <laughs> almost made your list as most anticipated. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. No, it really did. I don't even have a phobia of clowns the way some people do, but man, creepy. Oh yeah. Creepy, 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 yeah. creepy, creepy. Yeah. I have no interest in another it film. I know I have no interest in the first it film. <laughs> Yeah, see, this is a movie I don't know if I want to see, but I'm kind of looking forward to it because I read the book. Book was super, I haven't read the book, super yeah. creepy, and and I've already unveiled myself as kind of a Stephen King fan. Sure. Throw things at me. And if you Stephen want. King has but, some good stuff. If you look at The Green yeah. Mile and Shawshank, come yeah, on. it is a very disturbing book, and this movie looks very disturbing. But I mean, that's what a horror movie <laughs> is supposed to be, right? Well, and I hate horror movies in general, so that's what bumped that up to the top of my least anticipated yeah. list is I don't like horror to begin with. Yeah. Alien is about as much into the horror realm as I care to go. And so it, no thanks. No nope. thanks. Can't wait for our Halloween podcast. Oh my goodness. So the the one that it just beat out is Valerian. Oh yeah. Valerian <laughs> in the city of a thousand planets. <laughs> that is going to be terrible. I saw the trailer for it last the night. The trailer's actually. bad. The yeah. trailer, the, it's just going to be a hot mess. Well, we'll see. Her eyebrows though. Whatever, Cara Delvigny, she was terrible in Suicide Squad. I think we should just do a, a very, whole podcast of you pronouncing people's people, last names. Just saying people's names. Sort of vaguely <laughs> Her eyebrows are super legit, though. All I'll right. just give her that. All right. All right. What about you? Least anticipated. Least anticipated. This was so easy for me. Saw Legacy. Uh, what that Saw at this point is basically like the land before time of adult oh. <laughs> horror films, right? <laughs> that's, that's really that's a hilarious comparison. <laughs> but yes, it sort of is. And you know, we had thought that we had killed the franchise, as it were, a few years ago. But it rises from the dead, as any good horror film. And does. I have a sneaking suspicion that I'm going to have to be the one to review <laughs> it. So. We shall see. I just, you know, I am all for, unlike you, Jake, I do have an appreciation for some horror, mm-hmm. particularly if it's atmospheric, creepy, you know, type of horror. Saw is the antithesis of everything <laughs> that I think good horror is all about. It's just, ugh. Just kind of like torture porn. Yeah, it's terrible. It's just terrible stuff. It's not fun to watch. It's not even scary. I don't think so. I've never seen one, and I'm going to keep it that way. Yeah, I'm no, not I think watching Saw Legacy. Thing. So if you guys are looking for a podcast about Saw Legacy, it ain't going to be this one. Nope. 
Um, all right, before we wrap this up and get to Wonder Woman, what I know you guys have all been anticipating, uh, Paul, are there any dark horses for you? Like films that you think could surprise people? Mm, okay, well, I was going to go one of two ways with this, so I think I'll go both. Okay. Um, I'm kind of interested to see The Greatest Showman. Which, About P.T. Barnum. That is correct. That's a the Christmas good. release right now. Yeah, right? Hugh Jackman is going to star as P.T. Barnum. And the Huey Jack, baby. Yeah, I know. I, I have gained a much better appreciation of Hugh Jackman as an actor yeah. after Logan. And we've seen him in this in a, a showman role in right. The Prestige. Right. And he, he is nailed a multi, that. He is a multi-talented individual. And the other one I'm secretly excited to see. Okay. Flatliners. Oh, okay. So this this is a remake, right? It is a remake, and Kiefer Sutherland is going to be back in it. He was the star of the original Flatliners way back in '89, something like that. Oh, that's the year I was born. <laughs> I think I saw it in college. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the time, it was a really creepy movie. I thought it was a very well put together, creepy, atmospheric movie. Yeah. Everything that saw Legacy is not. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing because the do basic plot is these med students, right? Right. They try to kill each other essentially, but on purpose, where they're they're trying to figure out what lurks beyond life after death you know is yeah. there a reality after death so they're flirting with like near death experiences. so they're stopping their hearts and, they, and so they go through this these experiments to get as close to death's door as they can and then they come back and they start having some weird experiences um i won't spoil the original movie sure even though it's now 30 years old <laughs> but but it was a pretty effective movie and i'm looking forward to seeing what this one does yeah and i've heard it had got kind of a cult following yeah. The original did. Yeah. That as is well surprisingly effective. Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts. Kay Bake? Yeah. And Julia? Yeah. They're Man. all together. I'm definitely not watching that movie. <laughs> <laughs> for me, my dark horse, as much crap as I gave Paul for putting Justice League at the top of his, that was actually in the conversation for me as a dark horse solely because of Wonder Woman. If Wonder Woman is driving Justice League, there's hope. There is hope for the Justice League. But my true dark horse is a movie called Renegades coming out on Renegades. September 1st. Interesting movie about like a group of Navy SEALs who kind of go off the reservation to hunt for possibly what might be this hidden stash of Nazi gold at the bottom of like a big, huge lake in the middle of enemy territory, like in the mid-90s. Hmm. And uh, I saw the trailer for this one. It's coming out September 1st. September 1st is kind of, September is kind of a dead month. You know, September, I hearken to things like um, February. Yeah. And that there's not a ton of fantastic yeah. films that tend to come out yeah. in September. Yeah, it's it's when the theater or the studios all just sort of say, oh, we've got this movie left over. What the heck? Let's right. throw it in there. But this one does look pretty interesting. Looks like it'll have some decent action scenes, a little bit of a heist feel to it. And we're dealing with Nazis buried treasure from World War II. So hello, treasure hunting. Fantastic stuff, especially when you're mixing it with World Wars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a weird sentence, and and I'm exactly. so sorry. But okay. Renegades looks pretty interesting. Well, speaking of treasure hunting and world wars, let's uh, let's let's talk about Wonder Woman, shall we? Let's do it. It's time. To talk all things Wonder Woman because this film has exploded onto the scene. Boom! And is fantastic. And that is not a spoiler <laughs> because there are tons of reviews. Has anybody said this is not a fantastic film yet? 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is fresh. Like certified yeah. fresh. Yeah. Let me just make clear to you. We will not give away the big spoilers. There are actually some some significant spoilers in this film that we're not going to right. get into. Right. Now, if you are the type of person who gets who just hates to know anything other that's not I mean, that's not in the comic books already, then you might 
think we get into some spoilers, but we're not going to ruin this movie for you. Most of this stuff is well established. We're going to talk about character motivations and all that jazz, but we're not going to give you the big spoilers because that would just ruin the whole film. Only for you. little tiny. Spoilers. It actually wouldn't ruin the whole film for you because I figured out the, some of the spoilers pretty early, and it was still a great movie. But that's only because you're so brilliant, Jake. Because I'm a genius, like that's right, Hercule Poirot. That's right. You should grow a mustache like Hercule Poirot. Yeah, that would be pretty great. I'd pay you to do that. You would? That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I wouldn't pay you much. Darn. See, it's either that or I'm going for that Jeff Bridges from Iron Man look. Like shaving my head completely but a nice bushy beard. Strapping. I'm a lot closer to that look than you are. (laughs) Well, hey, that's what razors are for, am I right? Exactly. (laughs) All right, Wonder Woman. This, This movie's been out for almost two weeks. No. Two weeks, yeah. And it's making tons of money. Patty Jenkins, a director, set a record for the biggest movie opening for a female-directed movie ever. Yeah, which is a strange category, but it's really... Yeah. Hopefully that becomes a regular category. Well, that's exactly right. That's exactly because right. I mean, she directed movie. a great movie. She knew... The thing that impressed me about this movie, Jake, is that I think she had a handle on Wonder Woman's character in a way that... It didn't feel like Zack Snyder really had in Man of Steel or in Batman versus Superman. This movie feels so different from those films. It really does. It feels it feels light. It feels optimistic. It feels heroic, which, you know, when you think about a superhero movie, they really should be sort of heroic, right? And I, I think that it it had it was it missed out on some of the angst that, that some of the other things brought. Um, but it also had some really, I thought, surprising spiritual depth to it that we'll probably get into a little bit later. Yeah, no, the, the spiritual depth actually had me looking up, like, is Patty Jenkins a Christian? Because certain things that she was bringing into this movie, like, that is, that's like a paraphrase of a Bible verse. Right, exactly. Right there. And the themes running throughout, I'm like, this is, this has got a Christian... Like in Christian esque worldview in many ways. Christian esque is a good way to put it. Now, obviously, the the story is is very much predicated in in Grecian mythology. Right. It's very much a superhero story. It's not like you walk in and it's it's like you know War Room or something like that. It, it definitely it, it is not a Christian looking, movie. You have to be looking. You for have to stuff. understand the Christian worldview to know that exactly. that's what that's but, what it's echoing. But if you walk in as a Christian. It's not hard to find these things at all. Right. I mean, they're they are there, and it's really a powerful movie. So, so Jake, tell me what would, you went in with this with some pretty high expectations, right? I did. I, I did, and I didn't um, because of how dismal most of the Batman DC movies have been. Yeah. Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad, <laughs> Man of Steel, which was middle of the road for me. Yeah, had some good things about it. We actually saw Batman versus Superman together. We right? did, and yep. you walked out of there. I was more positive than you were about it, and yeah. you just hated the thing. I was pretty down on it. It was one of those things where it was like Zack Snyder's competent enough that this isn't the worst movie I've ever seen. Right. However, it's so disjointed; it doesn't know what it, it wants to be. Too many things to too many people, and it missed out on what I felt could have been a really good. Batman versus Superman story mm-hmm. and it abandoned that in favor of this big world ending and then the, the turn at the end of Batman versus yeah no I mean, don't get me started on what a mess hot mess I right. thought Batman versus Superman was so but then Wonder Woman starts getting all these positive reviews and that certified fresh meter on Rotten Tomatoes and and Paul's telling me texted me saying like right after he screens it to say we have to talk about it (laughs) like we had questioned should we talk about should we talk about it is it going to be that big of a deal is it just going to be another superhero movie no yes i get a text he's like we got to talk about it so my anticipation did start to build to a point where i was really excited to see wonder woman and then worried that i was going to be disappointed (laughs) because i was excited but i wasn't let down this movie is really fun yeah and and really solid the action sequences are stellar even even in the moments when you can tell that wonder woman okay that's a cgi moment right and there's a lot of those. and there's several of those moments but the action kicks butt and you totally believe gal gadot she's she feels so authentic 
in she a does. character that is rooted in like total Greek mythology yeah. and yeah. a weird superhero universe. She feels like the most authentic DC superhero we've had in a while. It, the thing that really amazed me about the movie was Gal Gadot's performance. She came in there and she brought humanity to a character that is superhuman. She really, she really grounded this character in in some depth and some some heart and I was so impressed with what she brought. Um, the thing that I loved about her characterization of this character is that she came at this as an idealistic, somewhat naive woman and, and that really came to the forefront. She she grew up a very sheltered in a very sheltered world, right? Yeah. She uh, she never knew the world of men. She never knew any of that. She just knows what she's been told. She had a lot of book learning, not a lot of street smarts. <laughs> exactly. And she goes into this very unfamiliar world. And the, the scenes where she's trying to get used to this world are pretty hilarious, actually, where she's trying on clothes and all that kind of stuff. But But throughout this movie, she retains just sort of this idealism where she knows what's right and she's going to hold to what's right regardless of what anybody says. Yeah. And that's something that you just don't see in in really superheroes of any stripe very much, outside maybe Captain America um, or Superman, where, where you have this sense that they know who they are and they are determined to do what's right. It, it was it was so refreshing and, and, and really delightful to see. It was, and, and you never felt like she was, even though she was a bit naive and the world was right. new to her, they didn't, she, Patty Jenkins as a director and Gal Gadot as an actress, didn't take that to kind of the ridiculous extreme they could right. have. She's still a very capable, confident woman. Right. Just because she's not used to the world of people doesn't mean that she's all of a sudden incompetent. She, right. They did not overplay that, and that just made for this really well-balanced character. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was actually – I also watched this with my wife um, – and my wife, my wife came out of this movie. She said, I have never seen such a well-rounded female hero on screen in my right. entire right. life. Right. She's like, I have had countless arguments with men and women about – this is my wife speaking. Sure. You know, she's like – and I've seen her have these arguments with people about, you know – feminist characters right. and this idea that you know oh if in order to have a strong female character she has to eschew her femininity and become more like a man and she's always had a hard time telling explaining that to people right. and, and visualizing right. she's like this is a movie and this is a character that i can hold up to people now and say this is what i'm talking about this is what it means to be a strong capable confident woman who's still a woman and has right. Feminine characteristics that actually are a part of her strength. That's exactly right. I mean, she. I love the moments where she would look at these injured soldiers and want to help them. She would yeah. look at a baby and go crazy for the baby, and and, and then go these, dominate a battle. And because go she was inspired by her she, love for these people, she was so feminine and so heroic. I can understand why why feminists embrace her because, of course, she is this really strong, really powerful woman that that certainly kicks the butt out of every guy who you see on the screen. (laughs) No joke. But, but, but she's also, she just, she is her own person. Yeah. And, and And she's a woman. Exactly. And I think that that's super, super charming. I, I love this character. I really do. And I, I think that Gal Gadot, I grew up with Linda Carter's Wonder Woman she was kind of fun in her own way, but Gal Gadot for me has become sort of the quintessential Wonder Woman. There's no one. Yeah, she is going to be the bar which everybody else is measured up to. Absolutely, there was, and and not just that, not just that. When I was watching this movie, and 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 she after that, you know, she sees the baby and oh, a baby, and she wants to to see the baby, and then she sees people hurting, and then she kicks butt on the battlefield in the middle of that scene when she's just tearing German soldiers (laughs) apart. Um, I was like, I like her better than any other male superhero I can think of. Mm -hmm. Right, like, I like her better than Captain America right now. Well, and I think that was almost, yeah, I think that was... Like, there's no comparison. Yeah. She's actually my favorite superhero on film right now. Well, she is just she is just flat out cool. I mean, I'm I'm always a Batman guy, but 
there is something really compelling about, I don't know what it is, and, and maybe this is just really superficial, but the idea that she just comes in with her, her sword and her shield and her little rope and all this kind of stuff, I, I think that even even her style yeah. is such that really resonates with me. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, an old school type of guy when it comes to that sort of stuff. I love the, the, the sword and sandals epics and all that sort of stuff. And so her style is just such that it's really appealing to me. And... I think everybody agreed that she was the best thing in Batman versus Superman. I think that that's not just because Batman versus Superman was so poor. Otherwise, I think it's because she was really good. Because Wonder Woman is a really compelling character. Gal Gadot is perfect in the character, and it boggles my brain to think that it took this long for such a character to find her way on the big screen. Yeah, and guys. To to be real here, this is not lip service. This is not things you you're saying just because we finally have a good female no. superhero. She and this movie deserve to be recognized for how well this movie is made. Yeah. Even in spite of hiccups that come with big stories like this. Right. Um, this is just a really well made movie. And well, well deserved for all the praise and the certified freshness. No, and I, I think that that's really true. And in one of the things that, that I think that makes this movie so much better than the other DC movies that we've we've seen come before is that the other movies, the DC movies have all been about sort of developing they want to compete with the Marvel Universe. And so because of that, there was always, just like what you were saying with Batman versus Superman, there was this wrestling where not only did they want to tell a story, but they had to create all the the underpinnings for this future universe. And that is not, that is not a great way to tell a compelling story. No. The great thing about Wonder Woman, one of the great things about Wonder Woman is that it was allowed to be a pure story. Yep. This is an origin story of how she came to be. Yep. It didn't have any of those trappings, you know, just sort of pulling it down. It could be true to Wonder Woman, and I think that it succeeded in that. And before we break down a few themes to to um, really flesh out and wrap up this conversation, I also have to say one other thing about this. Also, hands down for me, Wonder Woman has the best theme music of any superhero. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. The, the 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 banging of the bass drums and the way the guitar comes in and that... that oh, it. my goodness. There is no other superhero I can think of with such an amazing, amazing... Like, I want that to be my theme song. <laughs> can I come to Halloween as Wonder Woman and have a boombox that plays that in every room when I walk in? I'll be like, Siri, play the Wonder Woman theme song. No. No, you got it. You got it. Yeah. It is a great theme song. So good. I can't believe we agree so much. <laughs> this is guys. It's to hard stop. to disagree with stuff on this yeah. on this movie. But uh yeah, so speak Paul to some of those underpinnings of of faith and or what we see here in this movie that kind of drives the action forward and drives Wonder Woman. You bet, you bet. You know, one of the things that, that I thought was really interesting about this movie, again, we've talked a little bit about her sort of naivete and her idealism going in. Um, and sometimes I as I was watching it again last night, I went to see it last night with my wife, and the thing that struck me is, is in some ways it was, a couple of things struck me. Her naivete struck me as someone who maybe had gone to, um, you know, Christian school, had been raised up in a very Christian household, and just was a little bit sheltered. They didn't quite know the world around her, and so sort of branching out in, in coming to, to be in this new world, there's always going to be a level of disenchantment. Um, and I think that she was struggling with that. I think in a way, um, when you look at Wonder Woman, one of the things that, that struck me was how she was wrestling with her faith in a way. She was wrestling with what she had been taught and how, how it... Um, impacts you know how how it really gels with the rest of the world the real world that she knows is really complex she was dealing with very much black and white reality where where she believes that man, mankind is really good Inherently and brave good. and innocent and then she realizes that humankind is not all that great and and beautiful and innocent and it's actually inherently bad 
And that that is one of the most interesting elements of this is is I think that that she gets into this world, she sees that her idea of, of mankind is different. And then she has, and this is where a little minor spoiler warning comes in, she she goes to this person who she's been looking for this entire movie. Ares, the, the person who she's supposed to... The Greek god of war. The Greek god her, of her war. Her whole purpose, the, the Amazons, right. their whole purpose is to defeat right. the god of war. Right, but then when you look at Ares... Um, he shares a lot more in common with Satan than he does with the Greek god of war. He talks about how um, when mankind was created by the head god, he spent a long time being jealous of that creation, saying they are not worth the love that you shower upon them. They are... Time and time again, you hear about how mankind doesn't deserve Diana, Wonder Woman, doesn't deserve you. And he says that explicitly. And you see these elements of of kind of the pride of Satan within Ares. You see his jealousy. You see his, you know, his, his in some ways, desire to, to wipe humanity off the face of the earth because he just doesn't feel like we're worth it, and that we ruin everything. And he is absolutely right. And Diana, Wonder Woman, sees that in a way, he is absolutely right. Yeah. We are sinful creatures. I, I think it, it was a really fascinating study in just sin and the grappling with what it means to be sinful. You know, we talk so much about um, when we're kids or whatever, or, or even now we sometimes talk about how the devil made us do it. The devil is influential Mm -hmm. but he doesn't make us do anything and that was a really powerful moment in this that that you think the evil in this world is very much because of the fallen creatures that we humanity are and that was something the movie pounded home again and again explicitly because diana believes if she can get rid of the god of war mankind will be freed from his control and they'll be peaceful right and you know that's not what she discovers yeah in the yeah. end and yet is a hero anyways yeah even well, though mankind is evil even though mankind will never be able to save itself and even though she recognizes she'll never be able to yeah. save humanity by herself yeah yet they're worth fighting for no and, and and that was the great thing about this i mean there were so many great moments like in the last 10 15 minutes of this movie where aries is saying they don't deserve you and she goes it's not about what they deserve and that's completely a Christian understanding. I mean, we're, we're taught from all the time that we deserve death. Our sinfulness deserves death. But it's not about what we deserve. And then she goes on to say, it's what you believe. And I believe in love. And then when you look at some of the symbolism that you see in that final fight, um, this was something that I only really realized the second time through. When she she's battling Ares, she actually takes on a Christ-like pose where she looks like she's on a cross. And when you look at the her little diadem that she wears, it has what looks to me like a Christian cross on it. I mean, mm. I think that there's there's a lot of really powerful elements in this movie. Yeah, from from her saying early in the movie, like, no, I have to fight for those who cannot fight for themselves, which is pretty darn close to a verse out of Proverbs and, and, and this whole idea that Ares is, you know, behind is working behind the scenes of this massive Whispering. war to win yeah. the war. It's like, you know, that's Ephesians and our battles not against flesh and blood and yeah. that he's the accuser. He talks about that that Ares is an accuser of mankind and he is very and that's much really like a great point. Yeah, yeah. He is the accuser. And and then, you know, how the human race is sinful and it's like Oh, like like I said, I had to Google what is Patty Jenkins' faith background because she's on purpose or an accident. She is exploring yeah. a lot of very Christian yeah. ideas and and, try, and and finding that she doesn't have a faith background. Yeah, well, and and so this to me is a prime example of how in our stories we're seeking to figure out. Yeah, what do I do with a, a world of people that is evil and should I keep fighting? Right. You right. know, we have we have people tell we tell stories because we're seeking truth. Right. Absolutely. And this story throughout it, you see somebody seeking truth. Yeah. So in all these different ways, and it's 
you know, although I wouldn't say don't go to Wonder Woman looking for for scripture truth. You're not going to find it there. Right. However, if people are talking about Wonder Woman, man, you have easy ties back to the Bible to point people to say, hey, this this thing that you're looking for out here, it's actually here in the scripture. Let me show you how it really yeah, works. It, 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 it may be one of the best best movies and certainly best superhero movies that I've seen honestly grapple with the nature of evil, the nature of sin, and what a what a good response to that is. Right. You know, and I loved what uh, what Wonder Woman said at one point, you know, evil is not something that comes apart from from humanity. It's about making a choice. It's a decision that you make every day. And that really resonates with me. It's it's something that that we can't cleanse, not in this world, not in this fallen world. You can't cleanse out that evil completely. It's about what we do individually, what we do with our decisions every day, every hour, every minute. Um, I think that's really powerful. It is. Folks, all we can say is if your paths cross ways with Wonder Woman's and you have the opportunity to see this film, um, it man, there's a lot to be gleaned from this. And there's a lot of conversations to be had with your friends and family or with us. We like talking about this stuff too. <laughs> Which is why we spent the last little while talking about it. Yes. But that's enough Wonder Woman for today. Now on to the most least important thing. Welcome into the most least important thing. It's the way we like to wrap up every show, where we bring you pieces of pop culture and we decide, are they the most or least important thing? Actually, we let you decide. We report, you decide. We're not Fox News. We're just fanboy (laughs) know-it-all. So, all right. So I'm bringing to the table my most least important thing is a discovery that I made on my my iPhone, actually. I had downloaded this app. Okay. I had no idea what it did until just... (laughs) Two weeks ago, like I had for you downloaded you know, you, it. Well, you download on these purpose? things. No, you do, you do, and you think, oh, this is going to be cool, but okay. then you sort of forget about All it, right. right? So, I downloaded an app called OTR Streamer. OTR Streamer. OTR Streamer, and um, just to give a little bit of background, you know that I'm older than dirt, but <laughs> I like things that are even way older than I am. It's true. I love old movies. Love makes you feel younger. That's exactly right. One of the things that I love is old time radio shows, like old um, dramas and and comedies and all that kind of stuff. OTR Streamer actually has all of those that you can stream. What? Yes, for real. Like the shadow, the the shadow. No, the Jack Benny show. It has all of these things that you can just punch up. And you can stream it. Like, that's what it... I am actually looking forward to the drives up and back from <laughs> Denver now because I can stream these old-time radio shows and, you know, get some entertainment while I'm... I'm some good stories while I'm, I'm cruising along the road. I they, love it. So I actually grew up um, listening to old-time radio at night as I was going to bed. I had a radio. Did really? I did. I had a radio in my room, and I would listen to uh, a show called Adventures in Odyssey at 8... And then at eight thirty, which is sort of the last gasp of really those those right, radio yeah, like storytelling yeah. in radio. Yeah, and then I would then for like an hour and a half after that, I don't know why it was two different shows. There was a half an hour show and then an hour long show back to back after Adventures in Odyssey that would do old time radio. So there was like a half hour version that would play one show, then there was an hour long version that would play two shows, and that one would usually be like a comedy and a drama or a thriller, the second one with two parts. And so I would lay in my bed from 8 until 10 p.m. at night, most nights, listening to old-time radio. So this super get, this gets me super yeah. excited <laughs> because I actually have quite a history with old-time radio, right. which All is right. weird for me. Yeah, see, that just shows you just how geeky we both are, I think. <laughs> Who knows what evil lurks, lurks in the hearts, hearts of men. men. The shadow knows. And then that laugh. <laughs> that was such a terrible attempt at it, but I don't fault you because I can't do it either. It is That is iconic. You know who his was the laugh? first shadow? Uh, I don't remember his name. Orson Welles. Ah, uh, that's right. See, I do remember his name. I just forgot he was the first shadow. Yeah, no, yeah. Orson Welles. 
Paul, that was a fantastic most least important thing. Mine is going to pale in comparison, but guys... Should have gone last. You may or may not have heard this. T-Swift is back online. Her music has not been available to stream for two and a half years, and rejoice, Swifties. It's back. You can get it. Back in November of 2014, this is what Taylor said. I'm not willing to contribute my life's work to an experiment that I don't feel fairly compensates the writers, producers, artists, and creators of this music. And I just don't agree with perpetuating the perception that music has no value and should be free. Very principled. Very principled. Yeah. She actually, I think there were, there were she got some blowback, but, mm-hmm. you know, her reasoning was like, hey, people deserve to get paid for making great stuff. Right. You know, very noble intent. Exactly. And no more. And two and a half years later, she's back on the streaming. She's back on. Well... But she's making it seem noble again, guys. Her statement is, in celebration of selling over 10 million albums of 1989 (laughs) and getting the RIAA's 100 million song certification (laughs) announcement, (laughs) Taylor wants to thank her fans by making her entire back catalog available to all streaming services. So she's like, ah, I love you guys so much. You've paid me so much money. Here's all my music that you've already paid me for. You know, the rumor is it's actually to get back at Katy Perry. She just dropped her album. I have heard this as well. Yeah, Yeah. she dropped, Katy Perry dropped her album the same day that Taylor Swift Swift released all of her stuff. So who knows? Who knows what lurks in the hearts of Taylor Swift? Baby, we got bad blood. Yeah. Anyway. Right? Wasn't that song about, presumably about the I the listen war? to old-time radio programs. I don't listen to Taylor <laughs> Swift, so I do not know. Oh, my goodness. That is probably the most least important thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so not important. <laughs> I still don't care. Least. There's very few Swift songs that I'm a fan of, but I thought it was interesting. That uh, she's so heroic coming yeah. back and giving away her music for yeah. free now. We just have to shake it off. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys. Hey, you know what? If you like this show, give us a review, would you? Whether you listen to us, wherever you listen to us, yeah. please give us a review so we can keep bringing you the show. We want to yeah. know your thoughts. if you don't like it, don't review if you, it. If you don't like it, don't review it because we don't want your negative thoughts. <laughs> we just want the good stuff, all right? No shame. No shame. We're here to say just give it's, us good it's reviews. It's the world that we live in. <laughs> you know, if you have constructive comments, just send them to us, but don't put them in the review. That's yeah. all we say. There we go. And if you have constructive comments, uh, constructive criticism, or praise, hey, we like to be praised just like the next guy. Again, you can find us on social media in our Facebook group, which is called Pop Culture with Fan People and Know It Alls. Come nerd out with us. Let us know about your most anticipated movies of 2017. You can hit up Paul. What's your Twitter handle? Oh, at AC Paul. At AC Paul, or me at at Jake underscore Roberson. <sighs> Guys, it is super hot in here, so I'm ready to get some <laughs> yeah. wind blowing through yeah. my hair. So we're going to let you go for now. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Bye.